bleed my own blood. Nobody! Good evening and welcome to the Fake Pigskin Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Asher Curzon, and with me, as always, is Jeremy Hart. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing all right, Asher. Thanks a lot for asking, and thanks for uh, popping on for another Tuesday segment of the Dynasty Podcast here at Fake Pigskin. I'm just happy to be with you, Asher. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I just you say you love awkward me, too. Moment. Uh, no, just, it's great, and, and I mean, and we were treated to some... You know, horrendously terrible preseason football, but we'll get there. We'll we'll get to that. Um, so we have an extremely special guest on the show for for everybody tonight. Uh, we have Liz Loza. Um, how are you doing, Liz? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, <clears throat> excuse me, excited to talk some dynasty. We are very excited to have you on. I'm just I'll read through the outline here. Jeremy and I kind of constructed this, so uh, we wanted to say you're the best looking expert in the industry, even better looking than Denny Carter. Can you do that with what? more feeling? I didn't really believe it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could. I could go back. Give it some oomph. Okay. Are we going to start over? I can't. No, I'm just playing with you. <laughs> oh, <I thought> you, were <laughs> <serious>. <laughs> you. You know that's staying live. Oh, oh, we're staying live. Great. You guys, I, it, it's true. I'm the awkward turtle of this conversation. So, Liz, you're the owner and creator of the fantasyfootballgirl.com and also the co host of the X and Y podcast. So we just want to thank, say thank you for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate you taking your time to talk some football with us. Absolutely. I, I liked the part of the intro, though, where you said that I was the best-looking expert in the industry. You can say that again and again. I mean, sure, plug my site and my podcast, but if my hair ever looks as good as Danny Carter's, then I'm having a great day. I have tried to make my hair that good, and <laughs> there are certain things that you're just born with. So, Denny, if you're listening, whatever you're doing... Give us the secret, man. But anyway, thanks so much, Liz, for coming on. Uh, again, you can find her at the FF Girl, and that's uh, the fantasyfootballgirl.com. And it looks like we left your uh, your Twitter husband at home for the night here. Uh, I, I hope John doesn't get upset. No, John is fine, actually. I was just, uh, we had a pretty big experts league that we are co-managing a team for the first time instead of either competing against each other or dealing de- dealing with our own teams leagues we were on the phone a lot today as we were drafting that experts league and i you know i really wanted marquise lee and he was like no 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 he'll fall he'll fall we should totally take a running back here i feel Kyrie robinson that's what we should do and i was like eh, fine but i i think lee is i think he's rising and sure enough, the pick after us was Andy Barron's, and who got Marquise Lee? Andy <laughs> I, I love Marquise Lee. Jeremy knows. 
So yeah, absolutely, Asher does love Marquise Lee, and and I and I must say, Liz, even if you don't like Marcus Lee and you'd rather have Kyrie Robinson, you're still better off taking a Marcus Lee because you know he could still garner that you know high second round value. Or Kyrie, I haven't seen him traded for any more than a low second so far. So I I, I think Marcus Lee is that guy that. We're all sleeping on right now because he had a bad year, uh, but little do we know he was hobbled along the way. Had he come out two years ago, we're easily talking about at least the top two, top three dynasty picks. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for what Marcus Lee can do. I think he's a little bit capped in terms of ceiling. That's where I like Allen Robinson just a little bit better. But, you know, it, it's one of those situations where I just, I, based on the way we saw uh the the new boy in town slinging that rock around i'm pretty excited for jacksonville moving forward let's backtrack this a little bit so we'll, let's talk about liz kind of liz if you don't mind just telling us how you got your start sure um well i got my start basically playing i mean this is the fifth season i started the blog the fantasyfootballgirl.com which is now turned more into a site than than a blog um i started that in august or july of 2009 so i'm going on its fifth year I got my start basically because I was dating a guy at the time and managing his team, and I managed him to the Super Bowl, which he then won, and I thought, well, shoot, I want in. So there happened to be an opening in the league for the next season. They were all men. I got the I got the, the team, uh, I got the spot, and drafted a team, managed it by myself throughout the season, won the Super Bowl in that league. All the guys balked. They said it was beginner's luck. The next season I went and I did it again. And so then I thought, like, shoot, there aren't a lot of ladies in this world. Now there are many more. Um, but at the time I thought, I thought there aren't a lot of ladies in this world. I'm going to start this site. And um, never really at the time called myself an expert, more of an enthusiast, wanted to learn. And as fantasy football has evolved, so has my knowledge and ability to analyze the game. And so people started calling me an expert. I got a podcast. I started doing a regular. Here's, here's a tip for anyone who's looking to break through. At the time, I went on iTunes and I looked up all of the independent fantasy football podcasts that were currently running. And the number one most downloaded independent cast, number three overall behind ESPN and CBS, was the Fantasy Football Guys podcast. So I sent them in a letter, an email, saying, listen, give me a shot. Just give me a segment. You are two white guys droning on and on. I can provide some entertainment, some different perspective. They gave me a shot. That helped me break into the podcasting world. I'm going on my – they're going on their 10th season, and I'm going on my fifth season with them this fall – um, so that sort of started that ball rolling, and then the year after that, John approached me about starting X's and Y's, so we're going on our fourth season together, and you know, it all just sort of snowballed. I think you just have to put stuff out there and believe in it and believe in yourself and be entertaining, and hopefully the followers come. That really is a fascinating story, and what you did was you essentially took something that was, it just grew to be a passion, and, and you took that passion to the next level. I thought it was it was very awesome to hear the story, because I think that's what we all really want to do, is we want to take that passion to the next level, and that's, I think, why we're all sitting here talking about football right now, but to see that you've been doing it for about five years now, I think that, you know, really speaks accolades for, you know, just just a mainstay in the fantasy community, so very cool stuff and kudos to you thanks so let's talk a little bit about 
some upcoming projects that you have. I know you mentioned that you and John were doing a little bit of uh, an expert draft coming up here. So what else, what else should we expect on the near horizon here? Oh, my goodness. Everything is super busy. Well, we have the X's and Y's podcast um, currently recording. We usually record every Wednesday, but sometimes if we have a guest who needs us to be flexible, we'll move those dates for him or her. The past three episodes have been knockout episodes as far as I'm concerned. We had Sigmund Bloom, Andy Behrens, and Nando DeFino on. This week, we welcome Fantasy Taz, Jim Day. Next week, we've got another awesome guest that I, I want to say his name, but until he confirms... I don't want to jinx anything, um, but he he's either going to record on Monday or Tuesday, and that's another big get who's at another big network, and um, we're really excited about the growth that the podcast has had. So please do check out the X's and Y's podcast on iTunes. I'm telling you, we're really bringing the heat this year. Asher, and I think it's as, Asher. Asher's cheating on me, isn't he? <laughs> it is not Asher, though you guys are more than welcome to come on <laughs> sometime in the future, absolutely. This is definitely um, not. <laughs> Um, let's see, what else? I Over the weekend, well, this is a cool thing. Over the weekend, I did a segment on HLN, Headline News. They have a show called HLN Weekend Express, and they're owned by CNN. And there's a, I live in Los Angeles, and there's a CNN bureau here, so I shot. They're based in Atlanta, but the, I shot um, a little segment for them at their CNN bureau here in Los Angeles discussing the rise of fantasy football among women and a couple of draft picks. We didn't get real deep because you know, mostly for noobs. But um, so that was pretty cool. If you want to go um, to the fantasyfootballgirl.com, I think I uploaded the video just yesterday. And Sports Grid actually picked it up as well, which was exciting. This week, coming on the fantasyfootballgirl.com, I am publishing an interview that I had with Sean Siegel, who, as you guys know, created the Zero RB Theory. He's a Roto-Vitz guy. I read about this zero RB theory, and I wrote an article on the fantasyfootballgirl.com. I'm going to do an experiment, basically, where I take my two home leagues, and in one, I follow zero RB, and in the other league, which has a similar scoring and roster setup, I'm going to trip a triple RB or robust RB, um, use that theory instead, and kind of make it an experiment. I will, you know, lay the experiment at the altar of the fantasy gods, in the hopes that they will reward me in some way. So that's a fun experiment. But because I was digging in, I basically reached out to Sean because we follow each other on Twitter. And I said, like, dude, let me call you. I got to call you. I have questions. I want to get the real on this. So I don't know, like a Tuesday afternoon, I'm rolling in my car chatting with Sean Siegel about America, actually about Russian literature and zero RB theory and anti-fragility and a whole bunch of cool heady things. And so I was like, can I, do a profile about you. This is really interesting. I think people are going to be interested in this beyond just fantasy football because he has so many really brilliant things to say about patterns and life, and he's a cool dude. So that is going to be published probably Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon of this week. So be sure to check that out on fantasyfootballgirl.com. Sean Siegel really is a, a pioneer and just, you know, being a risk taker. And when I say being a risk taker, I mean being a risk taker in a sense of, of not being afraid to simply 
take a risk in trying something new. And and in fact, the the irony in it is that he took a risk on something which is predominantly a strategic methodology to avoid risk while drafting your fantasy team, knowing we have so much volatility around the running back position and what have you. So it's very interesting. And and as you talk about it from a dynasty perspective, we also um, talked a little bit about that perspective last week with uh, Evan Silva on the podcast as well. Asher, you want to little uh, talk a little bit about your your thoughts on um, you know just essentially waiting on running back while building a dynasty team? I, I think it, we, we all kind of agree as, as far as waiting. I, I prefer to build around the wide receivers and, and to an extent, you know, if you can get Jimmy Graham in the first round. I, I think running backs they they come and go, and if you're playing dynasty, the shelf life is so small that you're, you're really handcuffing your team's potential if you spend those early picks and early rookie picks on running backs. In an interest of transparency and just making myself vulnerable, a couple of years back I was coming off a championship season and just living the high life in the particular dynasty league. And and I was going into the beginning of, of even last season where, you know, I, I had a bunch of, you know, middling wide receivers, maybe wide receiver two range, but enough to get by because I was stacked, air quotes, at running back with the likes of Darren McFadden, C.J. Spiller, uh, Darren Sproles, uh, among a couple other guys. And I very quickly went went 0-4 in this league, and then I kind of had to look back and self-scout in hindsight and go, what what the hell happened here? What went wrong? And the strategy was... Uh I built around the running back. Now, you can certainly say I built around the wrong guys, but at the same token, that's also saying that you can think very highly about a running back, and he can certainly deserve those accolades, but you never know what you're going to be dealing with year after year after year. So I, I'm absolutely on board with zero, uh, zero RB anti-fragility, especially as it relates to getting off on the right foot from a dynasty perspective. Well, I think it's interesting because, as you mentioned, it's tough because the running backs have such a short, such a short shelf life. Um, but then when you, you know, when you want to hit on the Des Bryants, the future Des Bryants, who will give you a long, like more longevity and who you could potentially, if you figure out when to trade them at the right time, then you give your entire, I mean, that's always the question in Dynasty, right? Like, do I trade now? Do I trade now? Oh, my God, I don't want to. What if the, the, you know, the slope down comes? Like, people are putting Tom Brady on the trading block in a lot of Dynasty leagues right now, and nobody's biting. So if you had done that, but you didn't know when 2013 is necessarily going to come. So I do think when drafting in Dynasty, I'm not, I'll tell you, in fact, right now, because I was just setting my keepers, so real-world example, I think it is dependent on what kind of rookie draft class you have. Right now, it's easy to say, oh, I'm all in on 0RB because the wide receivers are so deep. But my running back core, for example, and this is the team I haven't drafted yet. I'll be drafting, uh, I think, in two weeks. But my running back core is Gio Bernard, Zach Stacy, Lamar Miller, CJ Anderson. Those are the four that I'm keeping. It's a pretty solid core, but my wide receivers, which I know is an issue, I have, and I will also admit that I inherited this team. Uh, this is my third or fourth season with it. So um, I did, obviously, I was responsible for drafting Bernard and Stacy and Miller because. They weren't in the league uh, three to four years ago. But on my receivers, I have got Demarius Thomas, Marlon Brown, Marcus Wheaton, 
and uh, I made a trade a couple of weeks, like two days before he broke his foot, Marvin Jones, but I'm not actually that worried because I have Tyler Eifert, who I believe is going to be the Boom. direct handcuff to him. But So I need to walk into this draft definitely doing some zero RB theory because I don't have any, like, really solid wide receivers. I mean, I'm going to be all up in some Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief like like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or I am thinking, and I hope someone doesn't hear this, because, you know, trades are so crucial in Dynasty. I am thinking of taking Lamar Miller, who I think people are expecting to be a week one starter, and I think he's going to be at, like, the highest value right then. So I'm thinking about maybe in the next few days offering him up for a solid wide receiver and then taking my chances with someone in the draft, see if I could get like a Jeremy Hill. Um, so I think that's another way to maybe use that strength at running back to build wide receiver so that I don't have to rely on a bunch of rookies hoping you know that I find the next Keenan Allen. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because generally when I approach a dynasty, I I oftentimes and most of the time I want to I want to draft BPA, but there are a lot of different and when I say BPA, best player available, of course. But there there are so many different env- environmental things that can uh, happen in the draft. You don't necessarily have to take player A first because you just have him higher on your board because uh, right. you might not have to do that if you're doing your homework and you're looking at some of the tendencies historically of some of your league makes. Who do you anticipate is going to be on their board? Who's not going to be on their board? And I generally don't want to draft on team need, um, but I have a team in particular where – I just blew this team up to smithereens last year. Blew it up completely. And I blew it up because I had the likes of Roddy White and Miles Austin and and DeMarco Murray and and a bunch of guys I I just missed the, the big game. Well, I hit the Super Bowl, but I lost in that Super Bowl. But I knew I was on the downward slope last year. Um, so I blew it up midseason at peak value for all of these players, and it was before uh, Roddy White went down that I ended up selling him. So I approached this draft, and I had the likes of Alshon Jeffrey and Cordero Patterson and, and traded away for Justin Hunter along with the rebuild. So when you start out with a core like that, now you can actually start to look, okay, I, I know I want to take BPA, but I can afford to go into this draft and still take some of the Jeremy Hills and the Terrence Wests along the way. The Bishop Sankeys, you know, I, I took them at 1.3 just because I knew I was going to have a chance at Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, etc. So uh, I always try to preach to folks on Twitter, you know, go take your BPA, take the wide receiver. But, you know, it's always with a grain of salt. I, I, I think it's it's a difficult task to just ask a question in a vacuum. So especially if you're you're asking any of us on Twitter, you know, what, what should I do in this situation? It, it is very particular, and and we want to know. The more information you can indulge us with, it, the better, I think, so we can better understand what situation you're coming from. Um, Asher, what, what's your take overall uh, on Liz's situation in particular? It sounds like she really has some wide receivers here um, that she can be drafting, but, you know, she's has uh, Lamar Miller, and she's looking. Would, would would you trade Lamar Miller for Jeremy Hill, and can she get Jeremy Hill for Lamar oh. Miller? Well, I wouldn't trade him for Jeremy Hill. I'd try, try to trade for a wide receiver and then pick Jeremy Hill up in the draft. Yeah, that, that's how I understood it. Um, I, honest, I, I wouldn't trade Lamar Miller. I think the pendulum has swung so far in the opposite direction as it was last year. I mean, people understand that he may be the starter, but it's still a question mark as to what how he's going to be involved in that offense. 
I like him this year. I think I think he's quite he's way underrated. Um, from the preseason games I've watched and I've seen both of them being in Florida, he's really put in a lot of work in the offseason with Frank Gore, and he's catching the ball out of the backfield really well. Um, granted, their offensive line is probably going to be a mess, but it, the way I look at it, it can't be worse than it was last year. And I actually like Miller. I wouldn't be trading him for... I mean, I guess it would depend on what receiver you could get in return. Um, I just I think his value may be higher after the first couple weeks rather than just the first week. But that's just my opinion. Well, even understanding that it's a start to RB and I have Zach Stacy and Gio Bernard. I think that changes it a little bit, I guess. So what uh, wide receiver would you accept a trade? Like, I'm trying to think because I'm going, I'm going to start going after guys because I want a more established receiver. Um, okay. So would, let's see, Lamar Miller for Terrence Williams? Yeah. Jeremy will probably say yes. I'm going to say no. Um, <gasps> same value range, but you, you guys are going to call me crazy here. So just it's okay. You can call me crazy. We haven't <laughs> seen the best of Lamar Miller yet. I'm gonna st- I'm gonna I'm gonna be riding Lamar Miller into the grave. I promise you. Okay. And, and I'm so crazy for saying that, but I think this is yeah. the year. This is the year. I don't yeah. dis- I don't totally disagree. But so then let's say I'm keeping Geo, right? Um, so then maybe Zach Stacy. Zach- I, I would agree. That's what I was gonna suggest. I think if you're talking talent wise, pure talent, Miller is a better running back. It's no secret that his, you know he's not the sharpest guy, and it's taken him a really long time to get his head around the playbook and pass protection. Um, but if a standalone talent only, he, I would trade Stacy. Hmm. All right. I haven't he- seen Stacy go for more than uh, a late first round, and it's very difficult now because it's so late. So I, there's a lot of concern around Trey Mason right now. So it's I I not think. Good. It's it's difficult because I I don't know if you can get as much as you would deserve for Zach. Stacey well, I right do now. have Benny Cunningham as well. I wasn't going to keep him, but I could potentially package them together because Cunningham does seem to be at least for the moment, which is always the tricky part of dynasty. Obviously, ahead of Mason on the depth chart. You know what's really really funny is I feel like this is Groundhog's Day again with the St. Louis Rams backfield from last year. I feel like we did the same exact thing last year with Daryl Richardson. I mean, it, granted, it's a little different with Stacy being the lead running back, but if, it just seems like we're going in a running back carousel with uh, with Fisher's running backs. Am, am I wrong? Like that, I kind of feel like like it was Daryl Richardson and Isaiah Pede and Stacy last year, oh, and then Pede. this year it's. It's Stacy and Trey Mason and Cunningham. It just—I don't know. It's it, to me, it's it's a mess. That I like Stacy probably out of those three, and I don't think Trey Mason can catch the ball. But I just thought that was a funny caveat. Yeah, I don't know what to think about St. Louis. I I want to say it's Zach Stacy's job. I think he's it is his job. I know everybody wants to talk about him only being a volume guy, and I get it. Um, but we do forget that he was an agility superstar. And I know even Sean Siegel wrote a very good piece about Zach Stacy being uh, a very underdrafted, undervalued running back last year, and one of the primary focal points of his zero RB anti fragility from 2013. And we saw how that all worked out. And let's not forget he did run behind Kellen 
friggin' Clemens last year. So that kind of hurts, you know. Um, but I, I don't – is Jeff Fisher – is he willing to give the rock to two guys? I, I know the history has been he really just wants to ride one guy. And I know, to your point, Asher, Trey Mason really can't catch. But when I say he can't catch, it's not like he can't catch where he likes to try to catch the ball with his neck Andre Williams kind of catch. I was just going to say Andre Williams. <laughs> so but I, it's I, not I, like Zach Stacy catches that much. Sure, he's a better pass catcher but it's not I mean I think he had one receiving touchdown all last season maybe zero one or zero receiving touchdowns last season so it's not like no but I think Stacy's game was predicated on carries when you're carrying the ball 30 plus times a game you know you have fantasy relevance so the question is if he's scaled back to 50% or even 60% is he as valuable I, I guess say that's yes. my question well, what's to say that, that Jeff Fisher is going to give Trey Mason the rock uh, week one and start scaling him back by 20 to 30 percent immediately? That's probably that's probably fair to say. Yeah, I would say you know. Stacy's probably to be safe. We're gonna, we we ought to give him 60% of the carries, a change of pace role for Trey Mason progressively and some, you know, 10 to 15% for Benny Cunningham. I'd say it's it's Stacy's job to at least start out the season. Situationally, it, it can really only get better for Zach Stacy. I I know Bradford's coming off that ACL right now. So, you know, he's going to be a little tentative and a little bit of timid. It's just that's what happens to pocket quarterbacks when they come off those types of injuries. Everything we've heard right now about, you know, the likes of Kenny Britt and even Brian Quick, uh, Stedman Bailey, of course, he's going to be on the bench on the shelf for about four weeks because, you know, he, he likes to, to get bulky. Um, but <laughs> at, it, really, your offensive line got better, your quarterback got better, and hypothetically... And your defense has the potential to be top five. Yeah, it, so... I think his situation all got better right now. So I just, that's why I come back to, I, I almost wonder, you've got your running backs, you've got Stacy, you've got Miller. You might not be extremely happy with it, but knowing you, you, you have some receiver help, no better draft okay. to get that help. So, so hypothetically, Miller and Stacy both blow up week one. Who do you think you're going to get better value for? Miller. Ooh. You think you'll get better value for Miller? Yeah, the only I, reason I, I say think, that... I, I think that Miller will get me better value because people, even if Stacy blows up, know that Trey Mason is in that backfield and he's a rookie. The only competition that, in terms of dynasty for longevity, that Miller has is no Sean Moreno. Daniel Thomas like is barely... I don't even think... He's not going to make the team. And Moreno's so, got a tire around his gut and some sore muscles. So <laughs> You would think Daniel Thomas wouldn't make the team, but... For whatever reason, uh, he's he stuck to that roster. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but somehow he makes he makes the team. I don't get it. Uh, maybe this will be the year they cut him. I hope. So um, here's why I think Lamar Miller would would bring in a little bit more value because Lamar Miller has breakaway ability. So if Lamar Miller just pops week one, week two, it's going to be on the highlight reel. And it's going to bring all of the Lamar Miller buzz back into Twitter. And somebody like me who fell in love with his combine and fell in love with that home run ability, even though he wasn't a finished product, once we actually see that, if it happens, that's where it's just immediately it's going to pop. Whereas with Stacy, because of the situation and the role in between the tackles, 
it's Stacy wouldn't potentially look as sexy, I guess. And I, I guess sexy that. sells. Do you want to trade that player? Is it hype or is Miller actually hitting on the promise? You know, when he was drafted as a rookie, like so. Well, it would, depends on def- what what I what one would receive in return, right? So. Correct. It depends on the level of receiver that someone's willing to bite on and my need at receiver. So if I've drafted and let's say, I don't know, Moncrief and Lee, who are darlings right now, are gone and the best rookie I got was, who's someone that's like only so-so, or I projected to be, oh, Devonta Adams. Where, yeah, I was, was going to say Devonta Adams, yeah. Oh, right? so oh like, you guys just I don't want to see Miller for that guy. I would say no. Oh, blasphemy, guys! Blasphemy. But, yeah, Jeremy, <laughs> do you think do you see Devonta Adams running with the starters and and getting significant playing time this year? Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, not. over Cobb, Nelson, and Boykin. Like I don't. Absolutely not. However, fast Devonta Adams is so underrated right now, guys. <laughs> I can't tell you how underrated, and and here's why: Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. They were both late-round, first-round draft picks or high second-round in both of their rookie drafts, respectively, on average. I don't understand why, because as soon as you knock into an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, you, 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 if you're a top one or a top two option, you are immediately going to jump right into that top 15 dynasty wide receiver, as we saw with both of them when they finally got the chance. So with Adams, you're definitely not going to see it in 2014. Jordy Nelson just got his contract. Randall Cobb, is can they afford to keep him? I, I think Ted Thompson wrote on the raw with big red crayons, frankly sending a message that we would love to keep you guys at a discount. And Jordy Nelson signed a pretty friendly deal, um, but he got the deal. Randall Cobb didn't. So you've got Devonte Adams waiting in the wings. You've got Jeff Janice waiting in the wings. So those three guys, and I'm sorry, it's Jared Boykin is, is this year. And that's it. The The better talents of Devonta Adams and Jeff Janis are going to rise to the top. Um, so I, th- it's tough because I actually wanted to go into a name. So what level of wide receivers would you trade Lamar Miller away for should he pop? Um, in the minority, but I would still say Devonta Adams. But I understand I am very much so in the minority. I think we also need to, to keep in mind that, Liz, you, you're wanting this receiver to use this year, Correct. Uh, well, I, I would like somebody that I can pair, right? Like, I'm, I would like to trade Miller or Stacy per our earlier discussion for a nice second-year guy. Okay. Or, or, or like a, you know, I was going to, a couple of weeks ago I might have said Ruben Randall. He's cooled off for me some. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Victor Cruz says not to worry. It's all part of the plan. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would like to find someone young, maybe a, um, a DeAndre Hopkins I mentioned Terrence Williams, like one of those guys who I think is going to break through. I don't really trust Robert um, Robert Woods because I don't like EJ Emanuel, and I'm not as high on Aaron Dobson as most people are. That screw in his foot makes me nervous, and I think Kembrell Tompkins is looking better. So those are a couple of situations that I'm not so thrilled with. Um, I thought Marvin Jones was going to be that guy for me, 
and that's why I made that trade. I traded away Mike Williams, formerly of Tampa Bay. I feel like I always have to say Mike, Big Mike in Tampa Bay, but now he's like not in Tampa Bay anymore. So yeah, like how many years do we still have to say Big Mike Tampa Bay? <laughs> right. Because right. the other guy. So I traded him away for Marvin Jones and like a deep, uh, a deep pick. Um, and then two days later, Marvin Jones broke his foot. So I am looking for that Marvin Jones esque guy. Uh, who, I, who I think will break through this year because I am looking to like really make a run for it this season and then keep building it. Yeah, and I, I would have said Marcus Wheaton, but I'm pretty sure he's already on your team. Yeah, I got him. Uh, yeah, um, the Roadrunner. Jeremy Jeremy loves Dobson. I'm I'm in the same boat with you, Liz. I'm a fan. Why do you like him so much? Explain it to me because I think he looks slow. Yeah, he, he he really does have the physical attributes to be the wide receiver one that the team simply does not have, and they've been aiming for it and swinging and missing. He really did come on. Granted, he does seem to have some concentration laps, but I, I think it's their first year in. Sometimes uh, rookies do need a little bit of a break. I think Kembrel Tompkins got the same break, um, and he's, he's a step ahead of Dobson because Dobson has been on the shelf. I Before the injury news came out about Dobson, I was absolutely trying to scoop him up everywhere. I'm treading uh, with caution at this time because... that that's no joke and we've seen the injury analysis on uh, sports injury predict predictor and we've had the dialogue around this now so i you know if if i'm if i'm going out and buying him i'm doing it a little bit lightly right now um i i wouldn't trade lamar miller for him right now what i am interested to know is let's say lamar miller does pop what would you need to close the gap to trade Lamar Miller away for, let's say, Justin Hunter? Preseason game didn't help that he just had. Um, but right now, Lamar Miller's probably like a early second round, maybe a mid-second round value right now. I think Hunter's going as like a mid-first round right now. So, or that's where he was getting traded for. I traded away a 1.6 this offseason for Justin Hunter. Um, so what, what would you need to close the gap to get a Justin Hunter with Lamar Miller? Like an idiot to say yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Like, like, I don't know if there's any. I mean, I'd probably have to give away Lamar Miller and a pick, which I don't really like doing. Uh, maybe I'd give away like a 2015 or 26. I'd have to, like a 2016 pick. I think that's the only way you'd have to package Lamar Miller with a pick, even if he blows up, to get someone like Justin Hunter, who's has enormous upside. And again, because of the position he plays in and the younger, youngish team that he's on, really, really attractive longevity. That's where I think I'm going with this, and this is almost like self-discovery conversation we've had, and I'm learning a little bit as we've had it, which is good. I, I feel like when Lamar Miller hits, he might still not give you enough in name value in and by itself. But at that point, he can be leveraged as a package up type of guy where you can package him with something else to try to move up another tier at wide receiver. Yeah. Well, this has been Dolphins tonight. Yeah. I, well, Asher secretly no, put some Dolphins in secretly. the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> a resident Dolphin. So I think it's only we'd be remiss since we talked about Miami for so long. And Liz is a Bears girl. I'm a Bears guy. I don't know, Asher. I think we should maybe transition over to the Bears for a little bit here. What do you say? 
Uh, that is fine with me. What do you say? All right. So let, let's do it, Liz. So talk. let's talk a little bit about the Bears. So Jay Cutler right now, Smoking Jay, is a little bit of an enigma in that you would think all Bears fans um, are would be overdrafting Jay Cutler right now. But Jay Cutler is the most loved, hate, hated person in all of the Chicago metropolitan area. And in fact, there was a very large um, subset of Bears fans that were fighting very hard to keep Josh McCown for this upcoming year. And as we all know, with the Cutler contract, that didn't happen. So what are your thoughts on Cutler in the short term and in the long term? And, And would you have any dynasty teams where you'd be willing to take on Cutler? No. (laughs) <laughs> um, no, <laughs> you're crazy. In, Dyn- in Dynasty, no, I don't mm-hmm. think so. Um, I think the short and long term is the same answer. I mean, he has a, a cannon of an arm, right? But not great mechanics, and he also breaks his stuff frequently. Whether it's a groin or a thumb or an attitude, stuff breaks down on him. And I mean, I think the reason he's so polarizing is Chicago. In Chicago, is because we've seen him sit on the bench and pout. With his arms crossed, you know, and I get that I'm not saying he's not competitive and not a franchise-worthy quarterback, but he doesn't, at the end of the day, Jay Cutler is not a leader, right? And the person in the in the quarterback position needs to be a leader. And I think that's the problem with the Bears' offense uh, in general, because ever since we lost Erla- Erlacher, ever since he retired, that I felt like that was the heart of our team. And once that kind of went away, not kind of, definitely went away, the intangible oomph, if you will, that the rest of the squad had also dissipated. I think Brandon Marshall has the potential to be the new leader of the team, and I certainly like him. It's going to be interesting to see how he and Santonio Holmes work out the uh, old guy vet ego stuff, because I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little head banging there at some point during the season. I think Mark Trestman has been awesome for the offense, and coming back to Jay Cutler, that's the success that, that... I think he, Mark Tressman more than Jay Cutler is the reason that Jay Cutler has been so successful and seemingly could be so successful this year. We talked about his durability issues, but moreover, I'm excited. I was nervous last year when Tressman came in, excited because we had a quarterback whisperer, but nervous because I wasn't sure we had a quarterback who wanted to be whispered too. It's nice to see that they've developed a rapport, that Cutler is trusting him, that Tressman has been able to manage his idiosyncrasies, if you will. And so uh, I'm optimistic about Cutler, but in terms of dynasty, you know, he's he's a, oh, he's over 30, right? He's like over that 30 hump, and I don't think he is on the same level as Peyton Manning that he's going to, or, or Drew Brees, who can play into their mid-30s, as, as um, can continue to play into their mid-30s in, in as effective a way. So if you were if if you were of the mind to in dynasty um, of like streaming your quarterbacks or running like a QB by committee is is Cutler someone you'd want to take a risk on? I guess in both short and long term, or is you'd be looking elsewhere? Sure. No, I mean Cutler is someone if if I'm going to stream or if I'm going to QB two or if I need to find a, a, my my quarterback in dynasty is Russell Wilson. So if I I am looking to draft somebody actually because I have Russell Wilson, so I'd prefer to take you know. Bortles or Bridgewater, I'm not touching Manziel. <laughs> but, but I would, you know, want to draft one of those guys because of the upside they present. But if those aren't options, then sure, I'd grab Cutler just for this season to help get me through. 
he is he is presenting great value. There's he has a wonderful stable of weapons. We've talked about it. Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Black Uni, Antonio Holmes is his third receiver. Eventually, hopefully, um, Marcus Wilson and his collar and his clavicle will heal, and I think he's a nice don- dynasty prospect for years to come. But right now, I mean, he still has Matt Forte in the backfield. There's no reason that Matt Fort, um, that I'm sorry, that Jay Cutler shouldn't be successful, except that he's effing Jay Cutler, and I just don't <laughs> want to let put my money on that horse. But yes, if you're asking me about a QB two, and I and there was no other value, then sure I would do it. I'd take him over guys like. Carson Palmer or Sam Bradford. Sad Sam. Sad Sam. Yeah, he. Everything you said from a football perspective, I, I couldn't agree with more. Hey, he is. He's Jay Cutler. He's not a leader. He doesn't have good, great mechanics, and he, he's been a locker room troubling issue. Uh, he's he's been a media issue at the same time. But I'm okay with him in Dynasty. Let's say it's a startup. You don't have to spend anything more than, let's say, a 12th round pick on Jay Cutler. So if you're building around wide receivers, you're not taking risks along the way, building out your wide receiver depth and and some really great tight end depth. Um, Basically, my Dynasty startups have this year revolved around three quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, is the only quarterback I'm willing to take early, let's say third round early. If that doesn't happen, I'm not going to go and reach for him. Then I'll target the likes of Russell Wilson because I feel that Russell Wilson is the next quarterback that can be in the Peyton Manning, Drew Brees range, and, oh, by the way, he can tuck and run as a bonus. He's not a running quarterback. He is a throwing quarterback that can also run. So he's also going in, let's say, the eighth round. So depending on how I feel about my wide receivers, I'll look at Russell Wilson. And then if that doesn't work, or and again, I'm not going to reach, I'll target somebody like, like Jay Cutler. And to your point, there is some risk associated with the likes of Smoke and Jay. So I will also follow up a round or two later with the likes of Blake Bortles or Teddy Bridgewater or, yes, even Johnny Football because I know he's going to drop another round or two because he likes to flip people off the bird <laughs> hopefully he gets... crazy about that by the look i don't care that he flips someone off i'm more concerned that that kid's not gonna i mean we just we saw it two years ago with rg3 he's not gonna make it 16 games i don't even think it's that's the big concern i think the concern is that he he's like one hopping throws and he clearly doesn't have his head around the playbook like that's to me is the big yes. concern i mean yeah. i mean i heard this morning on, on espn talk radio on the way to work they, they were saying that Menzel in an interview last week said that he would not be ready to start week one against Pittsburgh. And yet, you know, after last night's game, we're talking about him starting week one at Pittsburgh. I think, I mean, we're getting into a whole other issue. You know, we're talking about the Bears. Um, so we can kind of, we can talk about that now or we can circle back to it. No, this is okay. Um, I love it. Keep going. Yeah, so uh, I don't want anything to do with Menzel. And fantasy, you know, I'm glad the Browns drafted him. Like... <laughs> Oh, it is you're it a actually I feel bad for them. <laughs> I don't like I I don't like Menzel. I don't wish anything bad upon him. I just think he's going about it with the wrong attitude. Well, I I love what he's doing for football. I love what he's doing for Cleveland. That team, and where everyone's talking about Cleveland now, I I think it's great for football. I just don't want to be part of it from a fantasy perspective. That doesn't mean that I you know didn't tune in last night on Monday night to watch him play the Redskins, and that I won't actually be looking forward to seeing more someone other than Joe Hayden play for the Browns. But 
But again, like, when I was on HLN, they asked me, like, why isn't Johnny Football amongst your quarterback rankings? And I was like, because he's not going to help me fantasy-wise. So I think, you know, we have to kind of make the distinction between a fantasy quarterback and a football quarterback, a real-world football quarterback. So That's where I think I'm coming in on the other side of the fence on this one, only because he's such a good value in a sense that he just doesn't really cost you anything. And, and even, like, let's say you're doing a rookie draft only right now. He's, he's, going, he's falling to the third round. And at that point, you're looking at the likes of – you know, Johnny Menzel or Martavis Bryant. Uh, it, 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 obviously, you can he argue that you should be taking cost you something. He costs you a roster spot. Yeah. So, what are you going to do to ensure your Johnny Manziel pick? Like, what? Okay, just for the heck of it. I mean, maybe Mart- Martavius Bryant is a decent red zone option, and Heath Miller is injury prone. So, I don't know. Like, what are you going to use Johnny Manziel for other than to be, like, the guy who's like, I wasn't afraid to draft him? Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I mean, two, three months ago we were arguing, you know, Manziel versus Bortles in in Dynasty rookie drafts. And, I mean, it's just interesting to to come back to that and realize what a joke it is. Um, And, you know, you can say that Bortles is playing, I think he played against first and second teamers the most recent preseason game. But it, Against it's just, the Bears on Thursday night, it was mostly second. Mostly, mostly second? Okay, yeah. uh, but fair enough. I mean, either way, it just he just it carries himself as an NFL quarterback, and it translates to as bad a landing spot as everybody thought Jacksonville was. He's surrounded with good emerging talent, and he's playing well. Uh, so I, I think, for me, the, the concern with, with uh, Menzel is how long it's going to take him to be fantasy relevant, like you said, Liz. And I think, I think though, to your point about how long it takes him to be fantasy running back, obviously you don't want to build your team around Johnny Manziel. You're, you're going to approach it where, you know, he's, he's a backup quarterback for you. Uh, but we saw it with the likes of Terrell Pryor, for crying out loud. Like, these guys that can run, they, this is where it's, it's difficult for me because I appreciate football quarterbacks but for fantasy if you can tuck and run you're going to have a very high floor in terms of weekly point production at the quarterback position so it's it's that's where i'm still willing to take that chance with johnny menzel because i know he if he ends up becoming a a quarterback per se i think that's an added bonus right now and it's obviously you know there's a lot of question marks and you know okay he he's a fantasy quarterback but is he going to at least be a good enough football quarterback to help remain you know being a fantasy quarterback for you so that's a risk in itself and i i can't disagree with you guys there i just think right now is the time to buy him when he is doing what he shouldn't be doing and and his value is plummeting obviously there's cause for concern here but i'm still willing to take a shot okay Uh, (laughs) so let's move on from johnny money fingers here um and let's talk a little bit about can we we talk about the bears backfield for a second and just because i as a bears uh fan and follower uh, I wanted to get into this a little bit. Is it okay, or am I ask, am I messing things up? Asher just like made a face like I've ruined everything. Is it okay? <laughs> no, and it's fine. No, I don't want to talk about Johnny Menzel anymore. Okay. <laughs> I saw nothing of him last night. So Jeremy, I mean Sean Drone didn't play last year. Kansas City, what for like two seasons? He didn't have a job last year. Kadeem Carey, I was really high on him out of the draft in April. 
struggling a lot in this preseason. I have, in a couple of my drafts, have already preemptively handcuffed Forte to carry, expecting that maybe they were just preseason jitters. But now I'm starting to get a little concerned. I sort of feel like the answer is not to waste a roster spot on handcuffing Forte and find uh, one of those value running backs or try to hit on them you know, in accordance with zero RB. Um, instead, I'm turning it on to you, but I want to have this conversation because I think it's pretty salient. What are your thoughts about that backfield? I'm with you, Liz. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I have been screaming to the moon about Kadeem Carey as an under-routed, uh, under, undervalued drafted pick in rookie drafts. Um, you know, he can be had. He could have been had in a third round. I was willing to take him as early as the mid-second. Um, and then all of a sudden, the, the Bears very quietly signed Sean Jones. And, and you're right, he didn't really have a job last year. And, and we saw in the preseason game, he actually looked pretty darn good. I mean, his style of play, it was almost like he was an arbitrage play of Matt Forte. I, I actually do think, you know, he, he is an all-purpose back that is a pretty nice fit for the Trustman system in terms of what Trustman wants to do. And I think it's going to take another year for Kadeem Carey to really catch up to the speed of the game. It's funny because he's probably the most NFL-ready uh, running back, at least in, in terms of who was coming out of this class, and he wasn't that good in, at, at, on the chalkboard. And when I say chalkboard, I'm sorry, I mean I mean the combine. But he was, he was – just a draft pick that I thought was an easy shoe and We know the contract's coming up for Matt Forte. What do the Bears do next year in 2015? Because if they do let him go, he's going to save, I think it was something absurd, like $7.8 million against the cap when they just are coming off of re-upping Brandon Marshall. So I think they're planning on life without Matt Forte right now. And let's face it, he's he's on the opposite edge. So I've been drafting Kadeem Carey um, as the Matt Forte uh, handcuff, and I do still think he's going to be the recipient in 2015. Um, but for for this year specifically, you know, if there was going to be an injury to Matt Forte, I I think you have every right to be concerned, and I think it would probably um, lean in Sean Jones' favor. Like Marion Barber 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good example. Asher, what are your thoughts on this one? Are, are we validated in our concern of Kadeem Carey, or is this something that um, you're kind of in agreement with? Yeah, give us the um, outsider's perspective. Yeah, because okay. we're both we're the, just tainted. Uh, the objective so. perspective. Um, no, I, I think I, I was actually very surprised. Like, I, I haven't been following the Bears closely in the preseason, so when I watched the game, the most recent game, I was surprised. Like, I thought it was Carey. And, you know, I had to, like, do a double take to realize that it was not carry and they were as, as the second running back. Uh, so I was kind of surprised. I mean, to to what you said, Jeremy, Jones looks good. Um, so I, I don't really see any reason. I think the next preseason game will be telling. You know, maybe there's a flip in, in the depth chart and carry runs with the second team. But, yeah, I think you guys, at, at this point, it looks like Jones is going to stick us that second RB. Yeah, so Liz, you mentioned uh, Marcus Wilson a little bit earlier. Um, you like him for Dynasty, um, and then I yeah. guess if you're looking to acquire him now that he's injured, what are you willing to spend? Uh, well, again, we've just been talking about situational needs. I mean, I'm not going to take him early by any means. Um, what are most Dynasty drafts? Are what like eight rounds? For rookie or startup? 
He wouldn't be in. I don't think he'd be in a rookie at this point. No, dynasty probably. Jeremy, what would you say? Might have eight rounds, but yeah. I, it's not necessarily standard. I think we go a little bit deeper typically. Nine um, or ten. Oh, yeah. it's a, I'm in a fourteen teamer, so that might be why it's him. Anyway, um, I, I, I mean, if if you're in like an, I would take him around the seventh. I don't think that's crazy. Do you? Do you think he'll still be there? Yeah, I would, so when you say you're in a, because it sounds like you're doing a 14-deep dynasty league. I know that's how a lot of the FFPC and FFWC uh, dynasty leagues are. A lot of the dynasty that Asher and I play specifically is more is deeper dynasty where the rosters go at least 20 deep. So when you say it's an eight-round oh. draft, is it, um, is it an eight-round startup? Like you don't even have any players on your team rostered yet, and you're going to no, go? No, 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 we can keep 10. We keep ten players, and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, uh, eighteen spots plus uh, an IR slot. Gotcha. So you keep ten, you draft another eight, you have an IR, and then you trim back down to fourteen. Yep. Got it. Okay. So if Marcus Wilson and I think you're. In a fourteen-team league, I, uh, nobody's nobody's rostering Marcus Wilson right now, um, and I think he will still be there at the seventh round because now, I mean, he's he's dealing with that clavicle. And uh, keep me honest here, guys, what are we looking at? Did they say week week seven, week eight possible return here for him? I think yeah. it depends. I mean, I'm not uh, as far as my knowledge of clavicle it depends on the break. Um, and how fast it heals. I mean, Tony Romo broke his clavicle a few years ago, and he missed the whole season. So um, I think it really depends on how clean of a break it is and how fast it heals. I think I think he's going to stay on the waiver wire. At least I think he probably should right now because they, you know, he's going to be the fourth option at best if he does come back healthy or when he does come back healthy. And now they did sign Santonio Holmes. And, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm not going to just write off Santonio Holmes. I do think they, they signed him with a purpose. I don't know, you know, Trustman, it seems like they worked him out and then they ended up signing him at a later date. But I, I'm not going to say Santonio Holmes isn't going to come with, you know, some sort of uh, boomer bust wide receiver three value at some point this year it's not like I'm going to go out of my way to try to find him and put him on my team uh, but I would say Marcus Wilson is probably capped for this year and he's probably looking for more you know in terms of 2014 now this is specific with with Liz's format you know for the 20 20 deep or 24 deep dynasty leagues um, you know he, he's still a guy that I'm looking to keep but at the same time if if I can I, I guess I can't really say that, but I, I traded away Marcus Wilson for Jeff Janis and Kyrie Robinson this off season. I know it seems like I was I was uh, uh, had a crystal ball because it was two days before the injury, but I, I think that's around the range. I mean, he, I, it's difficult to get a second round rookie pick right now for Marcus Wilson. Absolutely, he's actually I just looked it up. Um, the Bears, he's expected back around week nine, but the Bears have a week 10 bye, so probably we won't see him until, if we see him, until after the bye. And, of course, that's all dependent on the playoff picture and, you know, different things as the season progresses. So I don't think he's, I don't think you're going to use him until 2015, in which case 
I would take him as a really, like, one of your last, like, a, however deep your league is, I think the last or second-to-last round of that draft would be where you'd want to target him if you chose to target him. Absolutely. So what are you doing with, uh, I love earlier you called uh, Martellus Bennett the black unicorn, the black uni. I think you're actually cooler than both me and Asher, Liz. I thought I'd just, you know, mention that. I wouldn't think of uni. Yeah. I wouldn't either, and I stick with the unicorn. <laughs> so he's a mystical creature. <laughs> if if um, if he's the the black unicorn, then uh, Mercedes Lewis right now is um, the black Pegasus right now because he's not even getting drafted, and he's going to have fantasy value this year. Uh, maybe a fifty percent touchdown every other week. But what are you doing with Martellus Bennett? I, is he still a low-end tight end one for you? Is, it, it's difficult because you know he can get a touchdown every single week, but you also know he's the third or fourth option at best. Well, I liked him. I was a little worried about him with Zach Miller because Zach Miller, you know, not the Seattle Seahawks Zach, Zach Miller, but the other Zach Miller. Um, he had showed up pretty nicely in Bennett's stead, but now he's out with some uh, awful injury and whatever. It's, he's no longer a threat. But but then I felt like with Santonio Holmes, Bennett's value dropped a little bit. So, yeah, he is still a late-round tight end one for me. But I just feel like at the tight end position, I have a team now. I have a fantasy football team. One of the names is the Chandler Handler because at the end of the day, I use this Chandler scale, the Scott Chandler scale of tight ends. Because if you don't have, you know, you've got like, uh, you know, Graham, Gronk, and Thomas, and then the next uh, tier down, maybe some people, this is a divisive option, but Cameron, Witten, Davis, and then you've got the next tier, right? So it's Pitta, Rudolph, Ertz, those guys. And then after that, you really have like a bunch of dudes that any given week will score a touchdown and you're just chasing sixes. You don't really know, and that's the Scott, and that's the Scott Chandler game, right? And I think the Black Uni is kind of in that category where you don't know, especially now that there are more mouths to feed, what weeks he's going to get them. So, you know, he's not going to, he's really hard to predict, and I personally would rather have a tight end that I know is going to get me some production. You know, I'd rather um, roll the dice on a guy like Ladarius Green who has upside even if he's sharing the ball with Antonio Gates because we know Gates is going to get injured eventually. So I'd prefer to maybe stream until Green is officially the starter or do something like that than last year I had Bennett. But in terms of dynasty, I mean, I don't think he has any incredible value either. Again, I would prefer someone like Tyler Eifert or someone that I've been high on and I'm so miffed that he's due. I mean, I, I'm like conflicted because I was super high on Travis Kelsey when he was drafted by the Chiefs and then he got hurt. I have him on uh, on my dynasty team actually because I was so gung-ho about him. Really, really thought he had huge potential and now after seeing him in the preseason game on Sunday against the Panthers score this touchdown, like, oh my goodness, he I think is the new, he's even getting crazy redraft value but in dynasty... He is my hot tight end pick for sure. Travis Kelsey right now is going for a second round rookie pick, uh, mid second round, and he was him and Zach Ertz were back to back last year in terms of you know late first, maybe early second round, and even with 
the the touchdown in the preseason you you would think that it would just skyrocket his value and we're starting to see his ADP climb and redraft uh, but the rookie class is so deep where he's still not getting up into that you know top second round range at least in the leagues that I've seen I'm with you though Liz I I look at Kelsey and I think but you know I feel like I'm a broken record because we look at all of these high upside physical freak of a nature type of tight ends they're the next Graham they're the next Gronk and this is the pipe dream that we keep chasing that dragon for um but with Kelsey I think he's in the perfect situation to allow Fasano to get in there and block and captain check down himself Alex Smith I I don't think there's a better situation for uh, a tight end to prosper so I'm I'm 100% with you well, and let's talk about his coach, right? I mean, his coach has a personal, knows him. He's personally invested in him, drafted him, and worked with his brother, who's the center for the Eagles. So beyond that, Reed is rooting for him. He wants to see this guy work out. Fasano isn't Reed's guy. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, this Travis Kelsey is, to me, the pick in Dynasty that is, like, going to blow it up, right? Everyone's talking. He's the Marquise Lee of tomorrow. Asher, what are you doing with Travis Kelsey right now? Obviously, the hype is growing. The preseason performance is there. He's outrunning cornerbacks and safeties for crying out loud. But should we tame ourselves a little bit here? Uh, no, to be honest, I was hoping this was the one bullet we were going to skip because <laughs> I have my home, my big dynasty auction, free agent auction is Monday night. Uh, and I was hoping that nobody else was watching the preseason games. Um, and then I could, you know, sneak Kelsey for, for a low bid. I, I already have Graham and Eifert, so I'm pretty good at tight end. But um, but I do like to chase that value, and he got dropped because of injury last year. Um, so that probably isn't going to happen. And for the one person from my league that probably listens... Maybe we're up late enough and that guy's sleeping. Especially with Bo missing the first game, you know, I, I think Reed is going to uh, get him involved um, early and often. And see, I've seen enough Fasano from his days in Miami, that he doesn't really pose a threat. I mean, he's a good blocker, and every once in a while he'll vulture a, t- a touchdown, but Fasano's hands are way too volatile to, to warrant Reed keeping him on the field over Kelsey. Not only is Fasano's hands way too volatile, it sounds like Dwayne Bowe's hands are way too volatile right now with that finger injury going on here. So I'm getting a lot of mixed vibes out of Kansas City about Dwayne Bowe. Obviously, he's got that you know first game suspension, and now the, the finger issue popped up, and now it seems like what we hear is it's been a recurring thing where that thing has just been knocked out of place far too many times. So I... I I, not that I want to make this about Dwayne Bowe, but I feel like this just leans that pendulum, you know, gets it swinging in Kelsey's favor a little bit more. Uh, I, I think him and Eifert are both undervalued right now. Um, Eifert, of course, with Marvin Jones, but in a, in a dynasty startup I'm in right now, um, Eifert went two rounds after the likes of Eric Ebron and, and even Austin Safarian Jenkins. So a little bit of a, a rookie fever in effect there, Tyler Eifert. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't still be deeming him worthy of top five uh, tight end value moving forward. Asher and I, we, we got this pretty little agenda together, and we knew you were coming on the show, and we wanted to make sure that we were nice and organized for you because you deserve nothing but that. Um, but the conversation was so good that we 
barely even touched any of the stuff that was on this agenda. And I think that's good because I think this was just good, healthy football dialogue, and that's what it's all about. Cool. Well, Liz, we want to say thank you for taking time out of your your evening to come on with us and spend some time talking some football. I had a lot of fun doing it. This was a perfect way to end my day, and I'm going to go to sleep and dream about Travis Kelsey scoring touchdowns for my dynasty team now. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Uh, so where can everybody find you um, on Twitter and, and your website as well? Sure. Well, the website to visit is thefantasyfootballgirl.com. The podcast is the X's and Y's podcast, the His and Hers Guide to Fantasy Football, and that's available on iTunes. And also, you can find links to it on thefantasyfootballgirl.com. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, uh, you may do so at the FF Girl. Very cool. Thank you again. We really appreciate it. I am at for Curzon. You can find me at Real ABC. And Jeremy, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me listening to the Axes and Wise podcast, Asher. I will admit uh, that is one of the podcasts that I have in my pod player. It is subscribed, and I listen to her and John every single week because not only is it knowledgeable football, but, guys, it's fun. And sometimes the banter is exactly what I need, and yours is definitely at the top of the list, so thanks for that. Before we head out, guys, get on to fakepigskin.com backslash guide get your copy of the fake pigskin.com fantasy football draft guide 326 pages of fantasy football awesomeness it is 32 teams excuse me of nfl team rundowns we have over 45 writers that participated and contributed and oh by the way Liz Loza, our very own Liz Loza, contributed to this draft guide as well so you're gonna want to check it out next time you're in starbucks just pass it right through. Maybe still leave a tip because I'm, I'm the tipping type of guy. So leave a tip, but say, you know what? I'm going to skip the overpriced cafe latte for just one day, and I'm going to use that $5 to get the fake pigskin fantasy football draft guide. And because you're listening to the Dynasty podcast, of course we'd be remiss to not give you Dynasty content on this uh, draft guide. So we've got all of our rankings in that draft guide. We have uh, some strategy articles, some sleepers, some 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 risers, some sellers, all that good and fun stuff. So get over to the site and check it out. Liz, we'll pass it back over to you one last time. Anything else you want to say or plug? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty... Busy. It's a busy time of year. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I don't really get to talk Dynasty as often as I would like, so I appreciated the bill, the the time to dig in and you know I'll let you know if what I if anything I get for my Zach Stacy Benny Cunningham package. Um, hopefully a nice receiver. I'll keep you guys updated and just want to thank you again both and both again and hopefully have you on the X's and Y's podcast this coming season. Cool. That would be awesome. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to it. And again, she is at the FF Girl. I am at Fantasy Gumshoe. He is at Real ABC. And we are out. Say hi to your mom for me. Up your butt, Joe Boo. Post game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it. Uh-oh.